Amen. Well, it's good to be in the Lord's house uh, this morning, and sure glad uh, you are here, and we do serve a mighty God. Amen. And sure thankful for that uh, special this morning. Did just want to mention uh, a few announcements uh, in case you are uh, not aware. Uh, some things coming up here uh, very, very uh, quickly. Uh, of course, uh, this uh, coming week, uh, we will be at the Heartland Baptist uh, Bible College there in Oklahoma City for the uh, church, uh, church Planners Conference, and Brother Tim Quinlan uh, will be preaching in the Wednesday uh, evening uh, service. And then also, uh, as far as uh, church things go, uh, if any of our married couples would like to go uh, to the uh, Midwest Couples Retreat, uh, at the uh, Doubletree Hotel in Overland Park. I, did, I wrote it down and read it because Wednesday night I said the Dollar Tree Hotel. <laughs> Nobody seemed to want to go to that. All right, so it's at the Doubletree Hotel. It's a little higher up, all right, a little step up there. But anyways, any of our married couples would like to go to that. There's a sign-up sheet in the outer foyer. The cost is $190 per couple, but it's certainly a, well, uh, a worthy uh, investment. But I did want to mention that because... We do have until uh, this next uh, Sunday, January the 15th, uh, to sign up for that. So make sure that you do if you'd like to go uh, to that. And then a couple of things that I just wanted to mention regarding our church family. Of course, it is good to see the Clark uh, family here, uh, some of them here this morning. Brother uh, Gary uh, Clark, uh, Sister Doris Clark uh, went home to be uh, with the Lord this week. And so there is going to be a memorial service for her. And that'll be this coming uh, Saturday, January the 14th, and that'll be uh, at 11 a.m. here at the church. And so there's going to be a lunch provided for the family afterwards. And so if anyone could certainly help us out uh, with food and and things like that, uh, do uh, get with our, I believe, uh, my wife as well as Miss Gloria uh, Quinlan's kind of organizing things. I think Miss Gloria's doing the food and Natalie's doing the serving or something like that. So if uh, any of our ladies could help us out uh, with that and certainly do be much in prayer uh, for the Clark family. And then also uh, Matt and Shelby Dawson and baby Kinley were able to get home uh, uh, last night, I believe it was. And so uh, thankful uh, for that. Uh, pray for uh, Kinley. She does have a test. Uh, this morning, I believe it was already supposed to be at 10 o'clock. She's got a, a Billy Rubin test for the jaundice to make sure that it's continuing to go down. And so, uh, but we are going to be doing some meals to uh, be a blessing uh, to them. And Miss Anna Quinlan is taking care of that. And so she did say that she needs some help. And so if any of our ladies could help us out uh, with that, we would sure appreciate that. Tell you what, let's all stand uh, this morning and we're going to open up in a word of prayer and uh, pray for our services, but do pray for the Clark family uh, as well as the Dalsings and then also Miss Virginia Potts uh, that's uh, still healing up uh, from the broken ankle. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer. I'm going to ask Brother Jim Wisdom if you would pray for us this morning.
Let's remain standing, please. Turn to page 221. Page 220 with me this morning. 221. How firm a foundation. We'll sing all verses as we begin together. Page 221. Sing it out on that first verse. How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you he hath said to you who for refuge to Jesus have fled? In every condition, in sickness and health, in poverty's veil, or abounding in wealth, at home and abroad, on the land, on the sea, as your days may demand, so your strength ever be. When through fiery trials thy pathway shall lie, by grace all sufficient shall be thy supply. The flame shall not hurt thee, I only design thy dross to consume and thy gold to refine. In down to old age all my people shall prove my sovereign, eternal, unchangeable love. And when whitened hairs shall their temples adorn, like lambs they shall still in my bosom be born. Fear not, I am with thee, oh, be not dismayed, for I am thy God. And will still give thee aid. I'll strengthen thee, help thee, and cause thee to stand upheld by my righteous, omnipotent hand. The soul that on Jesus hath leaned for repose, I will not, I will not desert to its foes. That soul, though all hell should endeavor to shake, I'll never, no, never, no, never forsake. Amen. Page number 213. Page number 213. Holy, holy, holy. We'll sing all verses this morning. Page 213. Lift it up together on the first verse. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, early in the morning our song shall rise to Cherubim 
him and seraphim falling down before thee who wert and art and evermore shall be holy 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 though the darkness hide thee though the eye of sinful man thy glory Only Thou art holy, there is none beside Thee, perfect in power, in love and purity. Let's get around and shake hands together this morning. Good to have each one of you here. Glad for all those visiting with us this morning as well. We're going to sing that last verse together, page 213. Lift it up together with me on that last verse. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, all thy works shall praise thy name in earth and sky and sea. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Amen. Great singing, Brother Tim. As men come for the offering, I'd like to read to you from Isaiah chapter 25. 
It says in verse 1, O Lord, Thou art my God, I will exalt Thee, I will praise Thy name, for Thou hast done wonderful things. Thy counsels of old, counsels of old are faithfulness and truth. For Thou hast been a strength to the poor, a strength to the needy in his distress, a refuge from the storm, a shadow from the heat, when the blast of the terrible ones is as a storm against the wall. And he will destroy in this mountain the face of the covering cast over all people and the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death in victory, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from off all faces. And the rebuke of his people shall he take away from off all the earth, for the Lord hath spoken it. And it shall be in that day, lo, this is our God. We have waited for him, and he will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice. In his salvation. Brother Raymer, would you pray for the offering this morning?
stand again with, with me, if you would, please. Turn to page 238. Page 238, and can it be? We'll sing all four verses this morning. Page 238 for our last congregational together. <clears throat> sing it out on that first verse. And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Died He for me who caused His pain for me. How can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? His Father's throne above, so free, so infinite, His grace emptied Himself of all but love, and bled for Adam's help. Last race, tis mercy all immense and free. For oh, my God, it found out me amazing love. How can it be that? die for me. Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine I diffused a quickening ray. I woke the dungeon flame with light. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. Amazing love. How can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? No condemnation now I dread, Jesus and all in him is. 
mine alive in him my living head and clothed in righteousness divine bold I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own amazing love how can it be that thou my God shouldst die for me amazing love how can it be that thou my God shouldst die for me isn't the love of Jesus something wonderful amen praise the Lord great singing you may be seated just before the message this morning, Miss Gloria Clinton is going to come and sing for us this morning. Everything I do, the arms of God are around me, they keep me safe and secure, and He knows where I am every hour. knows each word that I might say and although there have been times I've been out of his will I've never been out of his care this changing world alarms me with war with sin with strife but my loving father charms me with joy with peace and with life and he knows where i am every hour of every day he knows each thought i think he knows each word that i might say and although there have been times 
I've been out of his will. I've never been out of his care. And he knows where I am every hour of every day. He knows each thought I think. He knows each word that I might say. And although there've been times I've been out of his will, I've never been out of his care. Sure needed that. And uh, thought I was going to have to get up here and preach out of 2 Corinthians chapter 12 before it was all over with, that His grace is sufficient. And... Uh, but uh, enjoyed that uh, this morning. Sure thankful we serve a loving God, amen, that knows where we're at and our burdens and our uh, cares. And uh, sure thankful. I guess uh, just kind of a little nervous and, and uh, you know, preaching this morning. Somebody asked me one time to do a Valentine's banquet. And I said, I don't think that's a club I got in my bag. <laughs> and, uh, but I, I do think this, if you know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, uh, you've been given uh, God's love, amen, and uh, you and I are supposed to be filled up with it and manifesting it to one another and certainly to those around us, and we're going to look at that uh, a little bit this morning. did want to just kind of introduce you to our new uh, banners that are up here. Of course, last year it was that He might be preeminent in all things, uh, speaking of our Savior, but this year we're going to switch gears and our theme is going to be loving people and preaching Christ, and those two uh, those two thoughts are really taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and 1 Corinthians and chapter 14. Now, I'm not going to preach on the whole theme uh, this morning because that would be about a you know three-hour message, all right? So that's the good news. But the bad news is we are going to preach one side of that this morning and the other side of that tonight. So I broke up the three-hour message into two two-hour messages, all right? So... I'm just kidding, all right? But uh, let's all stand in honor of God's Word. And uh, if you're able to stand this morning, and want to invite you to 1 Corinthians and chapter number 13. And I, I would say this, and no doubt we're looking at the subject of love, and, and rightfully so, that we would be in what's been dubbed the great love chapter of the Bible. And, uh, and that's what we're going to look at uh, this morning. So 1 Corinthians and chapter... Chapter number 13, and the Bible says this, Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing." Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. That's, to me, that's amazing because you would think that people would do that out of charity, but the reality is this, you can do those things and not have love at all. 
Notice in verse 14, he begins to clarify just what this charity, this, this agape, this God's love is. He says, charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in truth. I, I think that's a verse worthy of underlining right there. He goes on down and says, Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity, charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. And whether there be prophecies, they shall cease. Whether there, or I'm sorry, whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know even as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, and charity, these three. And I want you to think about how powerful this is. But the greatest of these is charity. That's incredible. It really, it really is. And I, I hope that by God's grace, I'll try to bring that out just, just a little bit. Now, I, I know he's a preacher, man. This is using the word charity all through here, unless you've got a perversion of the Scriptures that changes it to love. All right? But this is, charity is actually an old English word for love. To which I've always said this, it's really a better word. Alright, it, it, and we understand this, it's agape, alright, God's love, alright. But here's why I would say that it's a better word, alright. Because real biblical love is not just an emotion. Now, there may be emotion attached with it, but you understand that biblical love always implies action. Alright, things like sacrifice and serving. In fact, when Christ commands us to love one another, He says, even as I have loved you. And my friend, you study it out, and you will find that it's that agape love, that sacrifice, that He would give Himself for us, that He would show compassion on others, that He would serve others. That, that is truly charity. That is truly charity. All right, and the point of this passage this morning is to say this, that this same agape love, this God's love, this charity, it should fill up our lives as His people, and then it should manifest itself out of us towards those around us. So if I, listen, if I could maybe say it like this, and we're going to look at this, you know, loving people, but really it's a, it's a twofold, it's a twofold question here because Number one, you got to have it before you can manifest it. And the only way to have it is through knowing Christ as your Savior. So if there's not been a time and place where you've put your faith and trust in Christ, my friend, you don't have this agape love, but it's available to you. And you can have it. But friend, once we do have it, boy, it ought to be coming out of us. It ought to be coming. And I know, listen, I, and I do, I want to say this morning publicly, I praise God for the love that's among Faith Baptist Church people. I'm not talking, listen, the church is not the building, it's the people. 
And there's no doubt that you, when you come into this place, you certainly feel loved. I've heard that from several people and even people that have visited the church. Man, it's amazing. They get their hands shook and, and, and hugged on and loved on and all of those things. Even amongst COVID, we don't care. We just love you. We love you enough to share with you what we have. <laughs> no, no, really. I, I, I'm just, in uh, all kidding aside though, there, there is a tremendous amount of love amongst God's people here. And by the way, that's the way it ought to be. But I say all that to say this, that don't mean we can't be challenged in it this morning. That doesn't mean we can't grow in it. That doesn't mean we can't be prodded a little bit to get out of our comfort zones, our introverted personalities, and and learn to love people like we should. Lord, would you sure bless the preaching this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Won't you be seated this morning. I do... uh, I do love things that are efficient. Um, Some of my favorite words in ministry are things like balance, but also another one is is efficient. I I love things that that make make it streamlined, whether it be the right tool for the job or maybe a better better way of doing things. I'm all all in, but uh, now now here's, here's, all right, and probably many of you, you know, you've heard this thing, you know, things like this, that technology... It boasts of, of making things more, more efficient, into which I would say sometimes that's true, but sometimes that's not true at all. All right, I, listen, I, I, remember, uh, I remember when uh, I was able to uh, pull up on my iPad, uh, you know, Word document and things like that, and I could pull up my sermons on my iPad, and man, what a blessing that was. And so basically I could, I could go home, and where I stopped at my computer in my office, I could go home. And I could pull right up where my, the same message right where I stopped. And I could just continue on typing on my iPad versus having to email it back and forth and copy and paste. And I thought, man, that's awesome. That's efficient. But it's a whole nother ball game when you do something as boneheaded as I do. And you get into your Microsoft account and you start making changes and things like that. And the next thing you know, you're on the phone with Brother Seth Wisdom and you're about to have a panic attack because you're dealing with technology. All right, now here's, now here's what I know, all right? When the world boasts of something that makes life efficient, that may or may not be true, all right? But when God says something is better, it's, it's efficient, well, now you've entered into a whole nother ballgame because what God says is always true, all right? And really, the reason that I bring all of this up is because that is the idea of the instruction here of, of having love and then preaching, preaching Jesus Christ that falls into these two chapters right here, chapter 13 and chapter 14. I want you to go with me if you would, and, and you're there hopefully in 1 Corinthians 13, but go back to the previous chapter in chapter number 12, and let me, let me show you something just really quickly. Look at what he says at the end of the chapter. He says, He says, but covet earnestly the best gifts. And then he says this, and yet I show you, I show unto you, now watch this, a more excellent way. Do you see that? So that's the idea of things being a little, you know, more, more efficient. Now, for those of you that may not be aware, all right, now you gotta, you gotta catch this. The church at Corinth was known for being the carnal church within the scriptures. Now, 
Now we know this, some of that carnality was because of their, their sin, their worldliness, their, their immorality, and things like that are, that are dealt throughout the epistle. But I would also say to you this, that some of that carnality is also seen in their selfishness, uh, even, even when it came to spiritual things, all right, particularly, particularly the gifts of the Holy Spirit, all right? Now, don't anybody freak out. You're still in a Baptist church. All right? But we are, listen, but, but you understand, some of, the more, some of the more predominant gifts, all right, at this time that brought greater attention to men were things like the gift of prophecy, talking about uh, future telling, being able to tell what was coming ahead, all right? And the other one was tongues, all right? Now, again, let me just stop here. And remind you, I've kind of dealt with this a lot. We're even going to deal with this certainly uh, again tonight. But biblical tongues, all right, is not the nonsense of the charismatic movement in our day. Okay? That's what I would call good people and bad doctrine. All right? Because you got to understand this. Nowhere in the Bible does anybody, all right, roll their eyes in the back of their head and flop around like a fish and, and speak gibberish that no one understands. All right, you go back to the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, all right, when the apostles begin to preach and, and speak in tongues, and you will see the testimony that every man heard the word of God in their own tongue, meaning their own language. The idea is this, is that when it says unknown tongues, it was unknown to the one doing it, but it was known to the one hearing it. All right, and besides that, you can go to chapter 14, and see all the rules given when you, uh, when you exercise the gift of tongues in those days, all right, which, by the way, the charismatics also ignore. But here's the point. Before I get off on a sidetrack, we just make the whole message about tongues. All right, the point is this. The gifts of prophecy, meaning telling the future, all right, and even tongues and even knowledge, those things will all cease. Look at what he says, all right, in chapter, look at verse number 8, okay, all right, of chapter 13. He says, charity never faileth, right? All right, but then he says this, but where there be prophecies, talking about being able to tell what's coming up in the future, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall, what's that word right there? Cease, right? All right, whether there be knowledge, it shall vanisheth away. I'm pretty sure that was talking about 2023 in America. <laughs> Sorry. Look at, but notice, now watch this. Well, why? Why is it going to happen? Well, here's why. Look at verse number 9. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, and I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. For uh, Now I know in part, but then I shall know, even as also I am known. What he's saying is this, is that all of these things are going to stop, they're going to cease, they're going to fail. And the reason for this is because eventually the Word of God is going to be completed and canonized and put together for the man of God. We, we do not need to know uh, what, what is coming in the future. We already know with the revelation of Jesus Christ. And, and so the idea is this, and what Paul is saying to this church right here is that at the end of chapter 12, all right, 
He's saying this, let me show you a more excellent way, a better way of doing ministry rather than selfishly uh, wrestling over these gifts that bring the attention of men. Stop worrying about what men think and understand the plan of God and what God has for us because the word of God is eventually going to be put together. And so set those things aside and begin to learn to love people and then preach Jesus Christ. Because here's why. That's what people are going to need. That's what they're going to need. And so he's beginning to show them the, these things, but you, you know, it, it's a more excellent way. I, I started thinking about this, and I got to be honest with you. I don't look. I don't. I don't know of any church that doesn't want growth in one form or another. I really don't. I, you know, I. You think about you know spiritual growth, uh, new numerical growth. Well, certainly we want to see. All of those things, I, I would think that it would be in the heart of us as Faith Baptist Church that we would desire to be pleasing unto God. Well, I, I just, I just, you know, and now, now you know, I, I realize, you know, that that there probably are, unfortunately, churches out there that don't care about any of this stuff. I guess I don't, you know. Rule number one in ministry is that people can be idiots, and ministry is no exception to the rule. <laughs> so I listen. I'm just saying. I know that there are crazy people out there. I'm not. I'm not that ignorant, but at the same time, I would venture to say that most churches in general would have these same desires. I would certainly say this should be a desire of Faith Baptist Church and even those churches that are of like faith like us, that we would desire, that we would desire to grow, that we would desire to grow spiritually and numerically, that we would be pleasing unto God. But here's the problem that I'm seeing in our day and time. And that's this, that most churches that have that desire are turning to the world and following its device to, advice to achieve those things. Unfortunately, the, the platform and the pulpit made of wood has become a stage for the entertainment of men. And the worldly music and the entertainment and the ear-tickling preaching and all of the foolishness that comes along with that. And can I say to you, that in the reality of everything, they are becoming just like the church at Corinth in the Scriptures. Carnal. And this is what else I thought about. At the same time, they're also not achieving those things. Come on, they're not, they're not achieving spiritual growth. They're certainly not pleasing unto God. They might have a numerical growth, but it's really an audience. It's not God building His church with people being genuinely born again of the Spirit of God. They are creating a very shallow form of Christianity. And ultimately, that was what was here at the church of Corinth, which is why Paul is rebuking them. He's saying all of this selfish stuff that you're chasing after, you've made an idol out of it, and eventually it's going to cease, and then what? And the truth of the matter, that's exactly what's going on today. The entertainment and chasing after a good boy, I got a chill bump today. What happens when the chill bump runs out? Folks, I'm telling you, we need to go be able to go back to the Word of God and be grounded in our faith and knowing what we believe and why we believe it. And the amazing thing that's going on today is the people that have started the things that are going on in these movements, they're now watching a generation that has come up on this shallow version of Christianity and they're saying things like this, we failed. We messed up. 
Yeah, you messed up because what people need when it's all said and done is the truth of the Word of God to stand on. That's what people need. Huh. Yeah. That's what people need. But this is, this is what I want us to grab a hold of this morning. See, just because there is a change in chapters here, and we go from chapter 12 where he says, I, I want to show you a more excellent way, and then we move into chapter number 13. Just because you change chapters here doesn't mean there's a change of context or subject. What he's saying is this, is that this more excellent way it's going to be. It's going to be taken. He's going to deal with that in chapters thirteen, and in chapters fourteen. And, and essentially, what he's saying is this: is that the more excellent way, the more excellent way to see spiritual growth in your people, the more excellent way to see people saved and baptized and following the Lord Jesus Christ, the more excellent way to be a church that is pleasing unto God. Here's how you do it: you begin to love God and love people, and you preach Jesus Christ and His Word. That's ultimately what he's saying. And folks, as we seek to grow spiritually and even numerically, we as Faith Baptist Church, we don't need to look to the world to see how to do those things. We don't even, no, 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 no. We don't even need to look to other churches and go, well, we just, we don't know really what we're doing here, so what are you guys doing? I'm just, listen, I'm, well, you know, there's this new thing coming out, preacher. Everybody's doing it. Listen, I'm not going to lick my finger and stick it into the wind to see which way the doctrinal winds are blowing in our day and time. No, my friend, we don't need all of those things. And we certainly don't need to look inwardly. What I'm saying to you is this, is that we too need to be challenged in these areas and to grow in these areas and to love people and to preach Jesus Christ. And it starts right here. Excuse me. And it starts right here in chapter number 13 with love. <coughs> Mercy. I don't know what happened, but <coughs> anyways. Chips and salsa, man. Eating too much chips and salsa. <coughs> Excuse me. Now let me say this, all right. First things are always first. <coughs> in other words, let's not get the cart before the horse. And this is, goes back to kind of what I said as we got into this message, now grab, grab a hold of this, okay? You, you cannot manifest the love of God from your life until you first possess the love of God. And the only way, listen, the only way to have that, all right, is by knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior. All right? Now, give me just a moment here to just kind of just kind of, you know, show you a, a, an example. And I think really this is, if I could say it like this, this is really where it starts at in, in the most important part of this. But I love, one of my favorite Bible examples is the, uh, is the Philippian jailer in Acts chapter 16. So go back with me. Hold your place there in uh, 1 Corinthians 13. And we'll get back to it here in just a, well, just an hour or so. And go with me to Acts chapter 16, okay? <clears throat> Acts chapter 16 and, 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 and just not, not to give you a whole lot of background here but we know that all right, the Apostle Paul and Barnabas were in the city of Philippi all right, main, uh, main city there in the area of Macedonia just got the Macedonian call sailed across 
the Aegean Sea. They started preaching the gospel. Lydia, a seller of purple, had been saved. They started meeting in her house. Uh, and then there was this demon-possessed woman uh, that was uh, bringing her masters much gain by soothsaying. It says there at the end of verse number 16, well, she was demon-possessed, so they cast the demon out of her. And so then her masters got upset because they weren't making any more money, so they accused uh, falsely accused Paul and Barnabas, all right, and had them uh, whipped and thrown in jail. So look with me, if you would, at verse, six, uh, verse number 23. It says, And when they had laid many stripes on them, they cast them into the prison. Now watch this, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who having received such a charge... Now, now watch, watch, watch what it says. It says, Thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. Okay, so what I'm trying to get across to you is this, is that you can kind of see the, the mentality of the jailer right here. He's not a very nice guy. All right, probably, probably stood by and had a little part in whipping Paul and Barnabas, but then when given charge over them, he didn't take them into the jail cell and set them down. He just... Whew, that's what's meant by... Come on, that's what's meant by thrusting them in. He threw them in there, slammed them in there, shackled their feet together. I'm just saying to you that he was a very, a very angry man, and you can just see it in some of those words and how he handled the, the apostles right here. Now, let's keep going because look at what happens in verse 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas sang, and, or I'm sorry, prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. So they didn't quit on God and start whining and complaining, right? They trusted God. They leaned on God. They, they prayed unto God. They sang praises unto God. And it was loud enough that the prisoners heard them. And I would say to you, most likely the jailer heard them. Look at verse 26. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loose. And the keeper of the prison awaking out of his sleep, seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. So again, notice the hardness of this soldier that he thinks everybody's left. So knowing that he's responsible, he's going to be put to death anyways, he's ready to kill his own self. That's a hard man. Well, that's, this is a tough guy. All right, but then look at what happens in verse 28. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he, the jailer, watch this, he called for a light and sprang in and, and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? <laughs> I mean, here's a guy that just threw him in prison, shackled him, getting ready to kill himself, and now he finds himself coming in trembling and fearful and getting on his face and saying, Sirs, what, what do I got to do to be saved? In other words, I want what you got. And, and here's, look, look, you want to know how to be saved? Here's what he says. Look at what it says in verse 31. And they said, be baptized. That's not what it says. It says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord. And to all that were in his house, that's because mom and the kids had to make individual decisions as well to be saved. And so 
And notice it says this in verse 33. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. How incredible is that? What a change, friend. The guy, listen, the guy that threw them in their cell, that shackled them, was now sitting down with them, feeding them and rejoicing with them. Is anybody getting this? Here's what I'm trying to say to you. Please, please, please listen to this. That's called love. That's charity. Friend, what? No, no, no. And he wasn't able to manifest it until he first had it. So how'd he get it? Well, come on, how did he get it? Here's how he got it. Believe on the Lord Jesus, and thou shalt be saved. Come on, friend, I'm just saying to you, that's how he got it was by repenting and turning from his sin and calling upon the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior. That's how you get love. Listen, if you're here this morning and you don't get anything, please get this. God loves you and wants you to be saved. Hell was created for the devil and his angels, but God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son and that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And you can be saved because God loves you and He cares about you and He wants you to be saved. But if you're going to be saved, you've got to come God's way. And it's not through baptism and it's not through church membership and it's not through observing the Lord's Supper or having communion or doing good works or turning over a new leaf in life. No, my friend, it's by coming to Jesus Christ in salvation. And once you have Him, you have the love of God. Romans says this, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Ghost. And then you start, man, you know, it, I mean, even Jesus Christ, when He was dealing with the Pharisees in John chapter 5, He said this, He said, For I know you, and you have not the love of God in you. You know why? Because they rejected Him. But if you and I will receive Him, friend, we'll receive His love. The Holy Ghost of God sheds His love in us upon our hearts, and then we can start manifest. Listen, listen to this. And the more you submit yourself to the Spirit of God and His control in your life, the more you can, listen, you can manifest the love of God from you. Why do you think it says in Galatians 5, and it gives us the fruit of the Spirit. Here's the fruit of the Spirit. Love. Joy. Peace. Why do you think love is number one? It's number one because it's, 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 well, it's part of the more excellent way. But here's the other thing. It is this God's love, this agape love, this charity. And here's what he said. It, it is the most important thing, friend. And it comes from the Spirit of God. And you can't have it if you don't have Him. You can't manifest it from your life. But as a child of God, if you're saved this morning, there's been a time and place where you've called upon the name of the Lord. You have the love of God. And what Paul is saying here is this, is that as a church body, even as an individual, you and I need to get to that place where we are manifesting the love of God to those around us. Be a fact, let me give you some things here quickly as to, as to what he says here. You know what the first thing I would say is this, is that you and I, as you get into chapter 13 and he says, let me show you this more excellent way. Right off the bat, he gives you the importance of love. Look at what he says. He says, he says, though I speak with the tongues of men and have not angels, I'm sorry, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, 
I am become a sounding brass and tinkling, or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Listen, anytime you want to show the importance of something, show what it's like when you don't have it. And that's what Paul goes right into in these verses. The, the first part of this more excellent way is to have love. And let me just clarify what that means. It means to have love towards God. It means to have love towards one another. It means to have love towards those that, that come in the doors of the church. And you know what? It means to have love towards those around us. And it doesn't matter if they're lost or they're saved. They need to have the love of God demonstrated unto them. Somebody say amen. But here's what he says. He says this, if you don't have love, then basically here's the first thing. You're annoying. Some of you are like, that's, that's, I was trying to figure out why. What's what I'm thinking of you right now. You, you, know what, you, you know what the sounding brass and the tinkling cymbals, ching, 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 ching. That's the stuff that went on in the Middle Eastern marketplaces of the day. Still goes on in our day and time. Now, I know we don't, you know, we don't usually go to you know, places like that. I, the, the way I related it was uh, uh, when you go to the state fair and you go down the game aisle and they want you to spend $5 to make a basketball in a hoop that obviously is bent because you can see it. And if you do happen to make it, you get this little stuffed animal that was about a nickel to make. And so you go by there and they're like, hey, hey, come play our game. What about you, big boy? You look like you could shoot a hoop. Come on, man. Try it out. Try it. And it's annoying. And, and we would go to the fair and we would go to the Pensacola State Fair when we lived in Florida. I never went down the game aisle. I didn't want to be bugged. If I want to go buy a cheap stuffed animal, I'll go to the store and buy one instead of wasting 25 bucks trying to make a hoop that's already bent. So, some of you are like, wait a minute, I like those games. That explains a lot right there. I remember one time my wife and I, we went on our honeymoon. We went to the Bahamas. And uh, we, let, we stopped on the uh, Nassau, the, uh, the capital of the Bahamas. And right off the, right off the boat, when you get off the boat, they got, they got what's called the straw market. And it's just this huge, giant, basically flea market. And they sell all of these cheap, inexpensive souvenirs and shirts and stuff that people go in there and they buy. And we did. We bought a lot for a lot of people. Not for us, but for a lot of people. But we went in it. Man, there, I mean, you just walk through there. Ammon, Ammon. You know, they got that Jamaican accent and stuff. And then, that, you know, then they're like, you know, they're wanting to braid Natalie's hair. Then they're wanting to braid my hair. And I'm, listen, I, just leave me alone. That's called enough. What, what I, hey, listen, what, what I'm trying to say to you is this, is what Paul is saying here is this. Please catch this. Is that we have the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the message the world needs. Is everybody catching this? But if we don't accompany love with that, we come off sounding annoying. And in essence, what you're doing is you're pushing people away rather than drawing people to it. Everybody catching that? In fact, he goes on 
and he says this in the next verse. And I mean, basically it's this. You, we, we become useless without love. Because he says, man, if I, listen, if I, had, if I had all knowledge, could you imagine that? To just, okay, Paul, what's going to happen tomorrow? And he'd be able to tell you. If I had all faith, if I had faith to move mountains, could you imagine that? Hey, uh, Paul, we need, we need this. Pretty awesome. But he says this, if I don't have love, I, I'm nothing. That's powerful. And then he says this, listen, I could, I could bestow all my goods and give it to the poor. I could give my own body in martyrdom. And he did. He did. But, but if I don't have love, he says this, it profits me nothing. You, you know what he's saying? He's saying this, that if you, don't have, if you don't have the love of Christ, if it's not in you, if you're not saved, and if you're not manifesting it from your life, then the idea is this, that what any, you can do whatever you want to do, but it's going to be fruitless and you're use, rendered useless unto God. That's, that's what he's saying. I remember, uh, you, you know, I, I, I remember uh, listening to Brother Sam Davison one time and, and uh, just a real blessing, and he was giving his testimony when he was pastoring uh, Bible Baptist Church in, in Stillwater, Oklahoma. And his, uh, his mom was one of the members of the congregation. And he began to testify and talk about how he was just preaching, man. He became the pastor there. And he went in there and said, man, them people need preaching. And he just started preaching and preaching and preaching. I mean, he was hammering away. And he was hammering away. And he was hammering away. And nobody was getting right with God. And nothing was happening. And it was just, man, he was just, he was so frustrated. He was like, and so he finally went to his mom and he said, mom, he said, I'm just, I'm just so frustrated and and his mom, and he said, I, don't, I just I don't know why. And it, basically, it boiled down to this. His mom looked at him and said this, why don't you preach like you love us? And he said, you want to talk about hitting home? And he said, when I realized that, it, it changed my whole ministry. Because there's a difference when you're preaching to people because they need the Word versus when you're preaching to people and we need the Word. There's a difference between arrogance and the boldness of the Spirit. Is everybody catching this? And I'm just saying to you, friend, listen, listen, please catch this. It's not just the preacher that needs love. It's every one of us that need the love of God. I'm, I'm saying, listen, you need it in salvation, but here's the other thing. You've got to learn to manifest it from your life because I'm not the only one. I have lost people around me that I need to love on and win the Lord, but you have lost people around you that you need to love on and win the Lord. Somebody say amen. And there's people that you can reach that I'll never meet. Be, be a fact, he, and so, so, okay, preacher, so we need this love. I mean, obviously, he shows us how much we need it, but, but what does it look like? And that, that's a great question. So he begins to identify what, what this love is in the following verses. And, and so what, watch, what, watch what he does. And, and aren't you thankful for that? Because we live in a day and age in where they're changing the definition of love. You know, love today means lust. 
But I'm glad for the Bible that makes it clear this this agape love, this God's love, and what it truly means. And here's here's what he says. Look at verse number one or verse number four, excuse me. Now watch the punctuation here, the commas and the semicolons, because it kind of it kind of helps us to break it up. So in the first part here, he says this. He says, Charity suffereth long and is kind. And then it gives you a semicolon, so that stops it there. And this is the first identity of this love, this charity. And he says this, it suffers long and is kind. That means this. It's the same idea of long-suffering in the Bible. That means this, to cheerfully endure. Listen, it is the idea of forbearing and forgiving those who may do you wrong or even persecute you for the faith. I'm getting there, brother. Hang on. Because please listen to me, because we are living in a day and age where people love to retaliate. Love doesn't do that. Well, I mean, preacher, are we supposed to, we just supposed to take it? Well, Jesus did. Love is not angry. Love is not vengeful. Love is not bitter. It is forgiveness and even to show kindness to them. Well, I think about every Baptist church in America could use that right there. And, and here's the next thing. Look at, look at the next part of this. Come on, let's move fast here. Because he also says this, charity, charity envieth not. So, so, so love does not envy. Now, now, and please note in the Scriptures... There's a difference between jealousy and envy. Okay? God is a jealous God. Do you know this? Jealousy in the Scriptures is never used in a negative light. Jealousy, if you could define it like this, jealousy is the zealous desire to protect what is rightfully yours. God is a jealous God because here's why. We belong to Him. And when we're not where we're supposed to be with Him, He has every right to to get zealous over us and to chasten us and deal with us. Somebody say amen. But envy is never used in a positive context in the Scripture. Envy, a biblical definition for envy is this, a zealous desire to to possess what rightfully belongs to someone else. Can't believe they got that. I want that. I can't believe they got that. They shouldn't have that. They're not worthy of that. That's called envy. You know, love doesn't do that. Do you know what love does? Love wants the best for God's people. Love wants God's people to succeed. Come on, I I love what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. He said, listen, we we don't have dominion over your faith. We're helpers of your joy. (laughs) You know why he said that? That's, That's because love motivated that. No, 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 I realize the inspiration of the Spirit of God. I'm just saying to you, that's what love desires. In people, it wants the best for it wants the best of God in people's lives. That's what love does, not envious. Come on, I feel like I ought to just camp right out there for a little bit. We got, man. I'm I'm so sick of bitter and envy today, and, and even among God's people. And and notice he goes on down. Look at the next part. He says he says charity vaunteth not itself. 
is not puffed up. So love is not prideful or arrogant. It doesn't need attention from men. Rather, it's humble. It's low on self and big on God. Look at verse number 5. He says, It doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. And so here's the thing. In all of these surround the word unseemly, which means this, inappropriate or improper behavior. Did you know this? Love does not behave in any of these ways. It's not conceited and seeking what self wants. It's not easily provoked, meaning quick to anger when self doesn't get its way. It's not manipulative and always thinking evil because self needs to be promoted. Passive-aggressive. That's not love. Hello? Come on, I know some of you are worried because you're looking at this going, hey, we got a lot more verses to go here. But just stop and chew on some of this for a minute. All right, because here's the good news. We've already covered most of verse 8 all the way down to 12. So just, I'm almost done. So stop worrying about the stinking time and chew on this. Because here's the other thing. Look, look at this. Look at verse number 6. He says, this is charity. It rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. See, in our day, listen to this. In our day, love has not only been twisted into meaning lust, but also into meaning acceptance. And therefore, if you don't accept all sorts of evil and immorality, then you just don't love. It's getting kind of quiet in here, and you can suck the air right out, but I don't care what you think. I'm telling you what the Bible says. And you need to listen to this. Because that's simply not true. It's, in fact, it's the opposite. Listen to this. Biblical love doesn't rejoice in iniquity. It rejoices in truth. This doesn't, no, no, no. That doesn't give us the license to be cruel or unkind because love is also kind. But at the same time, we cannot cave to the pressure and confusion of the culture either. Love and truth go together. They did in Jesus Christ. And we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Love and truth go together. Hey, what kind of doctor would look at a patient who has cancer and say, Nah, you don't have cancer. An unloving doctor. What kind of parent wouldn't stop and, and teach their children right from wrong? An unloving parent. And my friend, an unloving preacher, friend, who doesn't care about people is not going to give them the truth. But we must give God, the, or we must give people the truth. And love bears all things. Look at verse number 7. Love bears all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. And I love verse 8. Charity never faileth. And really, it's a summary to say this, that the love of Jesus Christ is the answer to pretty much everything when it boils right down to it. Look, you, I don't, I, there are people here this morning, I don't really know, and there are people that are here that are members of this church. And, but, but let me just say this. Look, everybody's got their battles this morning. Every, every family is going through, you know, got, got struggles and difficult circumstances. Every, listen, every culture has their issues of the day. So what's the answer to all of that? Here's what we need, the love of Jesus Christ. 
<laughs> you got love? Well, here's what the Bible says. Perfect love casteth out all fear. You got fear? It casteth out. You got sin? Well, he loves you and he'll forgive you. Come on, friend. You, you got, well, you know, preach, I got this addiction that I'm struggling. Here's how you do it. Love him and he'll give you victory over it. You got bitterness? Fill up your life with the love of God. Hello? Well, preacher, I, I want to win someone to Christ this year. Good. It starts with showing them the love of Christ. You want to see Faith Baptist Church grow? Here's how you do that. Love your church family and love the people that come in the doors. Hello? Well, preacher, I want to, go spir- I want to grow spiritually. Good. Love God and His Word. You'll grow. Folks, I, listen, I could sit here and keep going and going and going and going and going. But the idea is this, is that everything that we desire and want as a church body or even as an individual or a family, it all revolves around this subject of love. That's why he gives us really the illustriousness of it at the end when he says this. Faith, hope, and charity. These are the three things that we're left with and the greatest of these. It's charity. Your faith is where it starts. You can't, you can't manifest love without having faith in Christ, right? Come on, and think about this. The just shall live by faith. <laughs> Hope. That's the confidence in the promises of God. What keeps us as God's people going, doesn't it? Encourages us. Even in times of death, to know the promises of God in heaven and eternal life. Somebody say Amen. But he says the greatest of these. How powerful is this? The greatest of these is charity. Incredible. I remember hearing a church one time had an opportunity to witness to people and love on people. And, and I've told this story in a little more detail, but I don't have time this morning, but there's a preacher friend of mine that was trying to minister to this church. They needed a pastor, and they didn't have a pastor. And, and so they were ministering to him and trying to get him situated. And he had one of his church members that was going out there uh, on a Wednesday night because he was working in that area, and he invited a bunch of his coworkers to the church, and they came in. There were a bunch of guys working in the oil field, and they all came in in their work clothes that night. And all the church members just looked down their noses at him like, I can't believe they come here in church dressed like that. I'm like, they just came in from the church from the workplace and I mean they were so snobbish and so stuck up and those, those guys walked out of that place and said I'm never going back to church again and I thought what a missed opportunity God help us that that doesn't ever happen here at Faith Baptist Church and I never forget one time I was pastoring in Castle at Bible Baptist Church and we were having a fall revival and brother Hal Hightower was our preacher bald headed guy crazy Michigan Ugh. He was preaching, though. Man, he, we just had a great service that night. I mean, God just showed up, and God met with us. And people were on the altar and getting right, and it was awesome. And we were sitting in the outer foyer out there after the service, and I just I came out there with Brother Hightower, and I said, man, that was awesome. And, he, and I never forget what he said. He looked at me, and he said, that's the way church ought to be. And he said this. He said, brother, he said, a church is not a mausoleum full of the spiritually dead. A church is supposed to be a hospital where people come in and get the help they need. But they're never going to get the help that they need 
until we show them the love of Jesus Christ. I want to ask you this morning to challenge yourself this year. Get out of your comfort zone. Love on people. Minister to people. Serve people. Pray for people. Encourage people. Call people. Let the Lord use you to show the love of Jesus Christ this year. Let's all stand this morning.